This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week television podcast. There won't be any dodgy phone line conversation this week. I've got a special in-person appearance. Andrew Mercado, welcome back to the Media Week studio. Hi there, James. Good, good to um, get you back in Sydney, mate. It's been a little while. Um, last time you were here, you were sort of packing up, ready, heading off to your um, adventure at the um, Bush Cinema. And, of course, that Bush Cinema is, is, takes up a lot of your time, so I don't come back to Sydney as much as I want to, but I've been brought back for work, and I thought, what am I going to do in the afternoon? And, you know, that CBS Buys 10 was ringing in my ears. I thought, I know, I'll ring James. It's time to do a podcast. And a face-to-face one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great great to get you back here, mate. Um, good to see you again. Yeah, look, it's uh, massive news, isn't it, CBS taking over? It's going to be hard to top that for the media story of the year, you would think. Did um, anybody see it coming? Well, not really, no. I mean, I think they were one of the nine people who expressed interest. Probably most people thought because they're owed so much money in the output deal they have with Network 10... But they, was it just accepted that it would probably go to Lachlan Murdoch and Bruce Gordon as a joint venture um, bid? Yep. Uh, they got ACCC approval. But the thing they didn't have, I guess, was the media laws didn't change. And if those media laws had been changed in that crazy week of Parliament, if those media laws had gone through that week, possibly this CBS deal wouldn't have happened? Well, we don't really know that yet. Right. But that's right. Maybe, yeah. it, maybe it wouldn't have. But I've got the feeling... CBS may be offered more money. Right. And maybe a more, um, I don't know, or maybe more secure. I don't know if the really, if the, it'd be interesting how the, um, the people who make the decision, the, the people running the sort of insolvency and mm. the, all that, do they take long term into, do they think about the long term future or they just really want the money back for the people they represent? I wonder. <laughs> I wonder, because they're, they're accountants, aren't they? They probably look yeah. at it a lot more forensically. That's right. Um, but their real duty is to the people who they're working for to get the money back, which yep. I think is probably the Commonwealth Bank. Yes. So they've got to secure all that back. Then I guess the secondary consideration is maybe unsecured creditors, I'm not sure, and then the, the, you know, the, um, the outlook for the staff and the mm. business. Mm. So you've got to think, though, with... I mean, with CBS, it's got to be at least as good an outcome as it would have been under Murdoch and Gordon. Well, I would if say not better. better yeah. I would, I would think better. I mean, there's a few things that I think are better, but I also think too that there are a lot worse things for an Australian network to do than be bought by America's number one network, which sure. CBS is and has been for a very long time. Yep. You know, these are not uh, fourteen or fifteen years. Yeah. It's incredible. So, you know, there's got to be some uh, benefits in that. Mm. And, and, you know, personally, I kind of... I was a bit concerned about that, what might have been a Foxtel 10 merger. I, I wasn't that thrilled about, you know, News Limited going in there. First of all, I think, you know, the fact that Lachlan Murdoch was CEO of that ship as it started to list... Um, and was his tenure there r- saw the network go from being extremely profitable to losing millions of dollars within 18 months. So should you be rewarded for that by getting your company to sweep in and run to the rescue? I don't think so. The other thing that concerned me was the, 
the possibility and the discussions that were being held about the news department, that perhaps the new 10 news department would be decimated so it could be merged with Sky News. And, you know, once upon a time, I would never want anyone to lose their job. But, sure. you know, a few years back even, Sky News, when it was, you know... David Spears and Kieran Gilbert and Peter Van Onselen and it was, you know, you knew that when there was an election on that they were the guys who were so into it and they were making such a name for themselves. And lately it feels to me like Sky News is taking this, you know, real turn and prime time is now Andrew Bolt and Alan Jones and Paul Murray and very right wing and, you know, biased reporting. And I would have been uncomfortable if, if Sky News had turned into Fox News and then would have merged with 10. That, because that, to me, is a, a, a softening of a news brand to me. News brands shouldn't be about a whole lot of opinion makers. News should be news. Um, and I much preferred the old Sky News model that still happens during the day, by the way. Sure. It's just this prime time model there. They seem to be copying their Fox News, which, as we talk, has just been dropped from the UK uh, for lack of viewership. And, uh, yeah, I, I, so in that sense, I'm glad that the 10 News Department survives on its own and can be a news department and not uh, home to opinion makers. I've got a few things I've jotted down that I would like maybe to see happen under CBS. Have you got any... Say, you know, what would be on your wish list, do you reckon, if you would like to see CBS do it? Ten. Well, what I think is really uh, clever from a CBS point of view is that they have their all-access streaming service that they're launching into a very crowded market. And we've seen a lot of... The, we're seeing lots of them coming into this market and all of them are coming in with their internationally made shows with very little regard for local production and not willing to invest much money in Australian-made products. And what's brilliant about CBS doing that is that they come in as part of 10. So now it's, as Michael Idata referred to in the Sydney Morning Herald when he did an analysis, CBS 10 All Access, where you have all this local content that they will now be supporting as well as the bigger picture. So I think that makes their streaming service as a new competitor uh, to have an Australian focus. Anything that has an Australian focus is really good by me. Sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting of the ramifications for, for perhaps um, the independent production sector. You think it's probably going to be good news, but then the other side of that is that, well, in the US, CBS make most of their own product. Yeah. So whether they'd want to set up here in Australia. But, you know, format-wise, particularly, you know, when you, you look at 10 sort of uh, struggling in the ratings with really expensive reality formats like Survivor and I'm a Celebrity, you know, if CBS develops something that sort of clicks, you know, they'd be first in line to take that. CBS does screen Survivor in the US. They don't make it, I don't think. Right. But um, they certainly screen it. Yep. And they'll certainly have the smarts of how could they maybe pump up the Aussie one a bit more. I don't think it doesn't do too badly in key demos and stuff like that. So I don't think it's necessarily something they drop. But look, for what it's worth, here's my ideas. The schedule. Yep. Let's go back to on the hour starts and Yes, finishes. please, huh? please, please. Well, how good would that be, huh? If your shows, they finish at 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30, 9, none of this, you know. Let's run long. Yeah, bloody, bloody, 8.40, 8.50, yeah, so you'll none of know. that. Be interesting, wouldn't they, though, if they did that? Would the would the other networks need to 
think, oh, they'd, um, I can't imagine they'd sl slot straight back into it themselves, but they certainly need to um, reconsider what they're doing, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. No, I'd be all for that. Yeah, and the thing that would really hurt is when you've got a big show. So if you've got a big show, and then you can dictate the time it runs for, really, because that's where most of the eyeballs go. Yep. If you're not, well, it doesn't really matter when you start or finish, you know, but the, the big programs, like I think um, My Kitchen Rules, has been able to dictate the schedule, hasn't it? It when has. it's on. Because Nine knows, well, if we start a show before My Kitchen Rules finishes, it's going to not do very well. And, I mean, you know, the, these formats end up being so bloated, you know. They don't just run nine, They don't just run 60 minutes. They have to run 90 minutes. And then they have to run not two nights a week a or three nights. They have to run four <laughs> nights a week. You know, you'd like to think that, you know, shorten it all back. Less is always more. Leave the audience. Look at, look at Australian Ninja Warrior. It was so fabulous and then it was over and we were all like going, what? It, just, it, it was only just here. We all just started to love it. So, yeah, less is more. Give me some more. Late night TV. Yeah, I think that's a that's a real opportunity. Again, you need some, you need a um, people to understand it's going to start at let's say it was ten thirty, correct, 10, eleven, whatever it is. But it needs to start at that time. Yep, it can't rock in at quarter to eleven one night, quarter to twelve the next. You know. You know, I think you need to have it on a regular time slot. Yeah, and, and there is an opening at late night for something so. again in Australia. It's been a long time since we've had one. You know, I'm not saying that they need to do a Visor Tonight Show because they've got the CBS has their own American Tonight Shows, which 10 and 11 and 1 sort of screen now. But definitely, you know, there's the... Remember the 10 late night news and definitely there's a way that you could maybe present the news instead of being a repeat of the project. There's, there's an opening at sure. 10.30, I reckon, to do something yeah. Uh, different. Yeah. Try something. Uh, uh, probably 9.30 tad early, isn't it, I think? Yeah. But here, 9.30 is quite late, but that's only because we used to... You know, being sent to bed early because yeah. the schedules are just crazy. They don't want to make you really stay up. No. You know, so yeah, 10.30 and then you could you could back up then with if you want to do the project repeat and then you could do the CBS US so you could make it a whole sort of um, uh, every evening sort of a yeah a, a block of, of like tonight shows or, or repeats of things. The other thing I'm thinking about is news at 6pm. Yeah. I think that... They've got to give it a crack, haven't they? Well, you know, I, I kind of like that they offer that alternative at 6pm with Family Feud. And, you know, right. I'm a rusted-on 10 at 5 news viewer because I work from home. Well, you home. can still do 5 to 6 news and I then suppose. do a power-packed 30 minutes at Yeah, six. but then you go into the project, so there's a lot of repetition going on there. Well, could the project some ways? start at 7 again? I suppose it could. I mean, that first hour doesn't rate very well. Yeah, if the if the second just, half hour is rating. Yeah, I mean that's it's an idea whether they do it or not. It's perhaps um, pretty unlikely, but I think you know the they start behind the eight ball in the ratings every night because they're so far behind at six o'clock. Yeah, good in the point. Comparison, good right? point. Actually, well, it's that whole six to seven hour. Yeah, and then they're playing catch up. Yeah, even yeah. if the you know the. The project's been down a little bit. Current Affairs having a pretty good year. Home and Away's down a little bit. But, you know, I just think they've probably got to compete, you know, against what 6 and 7 are doing. Yeah. And it's going to cost money, but CBS will have a model for, okay, we know how much of the budget we need to invest to do well in that 6pm hour. Yeah. 
you know, at least let's give it a crack. That's right. They're going to need, you know, the, the talent. Um, so CBS thinks news is important, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's why what you're saying here is, is actually good. Mm. Things that I think would be keepers, MasterChef, obviously. Yep. Probably I'm a celebrity. I mean, I'm, Probably, I'm not privy get... to how much it costs. No. But, I mean, it's doing okay. It's doing okay, but it, it feels to me like that that's always going to cost a lot more money than a cooking show or a reality show sure. back here. So, yeah, maybe even cost-wise if something's got to go. But yeah. their years do start better now they've got that. Yes, it does. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And then, so that's a keeper. MasterChef's a keeper. Yeah. And what, what about using some CBS talent for I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here? Oh, yeah, sure. That would be a connection sure. to make. Yes. Because it, to me, that show really pops when it's got a big name, like a Shane Warne or a Marsha Brady from The Brady Bunch that you just don't see coming. Have they ever made it for the US? I don't think they have, have they? No, oh. they've never done that format in the Can US. They do a global <laughs> version. Yeah. Could you do a global? I'm probably not, could you? A few US people, a few Aussies. Yeah. A key, couple of Kiwis, yeah. I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. just put it on all access in the US or something. For yeah. People who want to yeah. watch. Because the big selling point would be ever the, whoever the big name US Exactly. If you can is, get the big names there, other people will want to watch that show. And they can share the costs. Uh, the Bachelor and the Bachelorette, I guess, are keepers, aren't they? Keep them. Yep. Uh, interesting, the whole JV with Foxtel, a goggle box. Oh, yeah. So you've got to keep goggle box. Absolutely. But whether they're going to keep making things with, I don't know if there's a, who the senior partner there is. I'm guessing it's probably Foxtel because they get first look. Yeah. But I don't know, so they need to review that. But it works okay for It both works. Them, so you probably keep that. As long as it works, you do it. And I don't think they'll make another series of common sense. But no. uh, there's certainly another way to spin off Gogglebox. In the UK, they do Goggle Sprogs. Right. And they have cute little kids talking about TV. And I tell you what, after the success of Little Big Shots, I'd be looking at that. Could Gogglebox Get- go 7.30? Ah, uh, yes, it screens well, 7.30, 7.30 on, on Foxtel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely it could. So that wouldn't be bad if you screen two seasons of that at 7.30. Yeah. That would fill your year out with MasterChef, I think, and, um, and I'm a Celebrity. Yeah. So there you go, covered. Oh, and Bachelor, yeah. of course. And Bachelor. Yeah. Um, so let me think, what are we... I know what I wanted to get your thoughts on Game of Thrones. Yes. Finally finished. <laughs> it went pretty quick, though, didn't it? Seven weeks. Yeah. Zapped by. Two years, apparently, you've got to wait now. Those numbers for <laughs> Foxtel. You had those numbers together, and that was outrating a lot of stuff on free-to-air TV on Monday. Mm. Yeah. Incredible figures. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. That final episode, some disappointed a few people. You know, I, I get it. There are a few things that happened that really did stretch the, um, I, don't know, I don't know, the imagination or whatever. But then it's, the show's done that since the very first episode. The show is a fantasy show. You don't show. watch that because you're going to have some problems with, mm, could that really happen? Yeah. There's dragons. <laughs> yeah. And stuff. And there are people saying, well, people keep coming back from life all the time. But, you know, exactly right. Yeah. It's a fantasy show. So you can't really complain. Certainly lots of fantasy in that final episode. It was just completely over the top. They must have spent an absolute fortune. Um, A lot of it was special effects, but they're doing pretty well. Yeah. There's some stuff with the wall, which you could maybe question, but it was was good, you know. I, I love those big army 
shots where it looks like there's 10,000 blokes standing in a field ready for war and there's probably only really, I don't know, a few hundred. And it's kind of their specialty, isn't it? Yeah. However they do that. The the battle scenes has been one of their real, you know, nothing else on TV comes close. Yeah, there was a couple of amazing battles this this year and the... um, the final, is it final six or final seven? There's six more to go yeah. now, I think. They're going to be, they've teased, you know, one of the, we're getting ready for the biggest battle ever, I think. So that's going to be pretty impressive. Yeah. And the special effects that they're going to need to do with, the, because one of the armies, it's just going to be incredible. So, yeah, so uh, well done, HBO. Well done, Foxtel. I just wonder how long before we'll see something else like that that really galvanises massive audiences because they're pretty rare, aren't they? It is a phenomenon. And I note that, you know, in the guide this week there was an interview with the head of HBO and he basically said there is no answer to that question. There isn't an... There, there is... We, we don't know when the next Game of Thrones will be, just like we didn't know when the next Sopranos will be. You know, every show is kind of its own beast. And the audience makes them too, don't they? Correct. Because otherwise it would be one or two series, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. If the audience demand is there, it turns it into a massive production. They say, look, we want more seasons, up the investment. And again, that guy from HBO said that he is never going to go to a binging model, (laughs) that he wants to be in that, pop culture conversation by having one episode every week where people talk and talk and talk and talk. You know, hmm. you, you load something on the weekend and people sit and watch it one weekend and move on to the next thing. The next global phenomenon isn't going to be like that. Yeah. The next global phenomenon will come from something that starts off slowly with that traditional model. Week by week, everyone talking, you need to watch this, you need to catch up. That slow word of mouth is what make, makes hits. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Cause I, I get binging and it's all right for some things, yeah. but it's a lot of things you can binge, you never do, do you? You that's might right. watch one a fortnight. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's, I guess, the good thing about it. You decide. Yeah. But given technology now, you can still decide when you watch it because you just series link or whatever you do and away you go. Yeah. You know, or that's always available on catch up or on SBS on demand or nine now or whatever they all are. Look, I, I kind of like the model that we see here every now and then where, you know, the ABC starts something, it's available all to watch on iview, but you can still watch it week by week on TV. You know, the best of both worlds there is the way to do that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Chris Allman's got a gig at uh, Channel 9. Yeah. Andrew, replacing Laurie Oakes as national political editor. Big shoes to fill, but Chris Allman I watch on the ABC a lot. He's a very good reporter. Yeah, he is, isn't he? That's probably a very good choice, isn't it? Yeah. Because coming from the ABC, you've got that... It's got a stamp. Not everyone agrees with this, of course, but it's it's got a stamp of credibility about it. They're very good in their... um, Politics. I, I think so. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And, and I think that he's a wonderful addition to the Nine team. I know there were people there at Nine that they could have uh, employed internally, but here's a fresh face, um, someone that now goes to a different audience. And I think if you know, there's Nine viewers out there that don't watch the ABC, well, they're probably not interested that interested in politics, so they don't care. But you know. I have always liked Chris Allman's uh, approach to things and, you know, that recent thing he did where he gave that analysis of 
Donald Trump at the G20, you know, that went viral all around the world. He seemed to sum that up and and put a spin on that that nobody else really did at the time. Sure. Um, And, you know, he's a a very clever guy. It's a great hire. And I quite like the fact that the uh, Nine's political editor is also a thriller novelist. Yes. How good is that? Well, that's great. And, and, I mean, I don't know whether he'll be able to do that at nine, but he did take a sabbatical from the ABC to go off and write a story like that that still had its roots in politics. It was a fictional story based around what he knew. But, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind betting he's got a deal that'll maybe give him some time to work on the books. He co-writes with Steve Lewis, of course. I think they've got four novels so far they've, they've put out. One of them, of course, Secret City, which Foxtel made into a, a drama. Still yet to watch it, to be honest. Yeah, right. It's on my list. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been nearly a year. Well, it has been a year yeah. it, since it was on. Um, I think they're doing a second season, I'm pretty sure. I haven't sure. heard that. I'd like to think they mm. did. I, I, I don't know how it. close it is, but I believe yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be underway. Uh, Little Big Shots, wow. Did yeah. that take off? Whoa. <laughs> it's, it's actually unbelievable, the figures that it got, because uh, it kind of felt coming lagging behind Australian Ninja Warrior that, you know, maybe Seven had missed their moment. No sort one of, wanted it them to... It seemed like it was on and off, on and off. Yeah. As they advertised it, then pulled it back a bit. And, and you know, when I watched it, I, you know, I thought that first little kid that they had on, the, the Shearer, you know, and he was there and, oh, you know, I just <laughs> thought, why are they starting with this kid? Like, he was just a bit too precocious for me. I'm, I was I've all... I've got to say, I didn't... Yeah, that... And you had to wait so long to see what he did. Why did you open with that? Like, I couldn't understand. I thought, this is a disaster. You know, a little bit that's of... That's why we're not TV programmers. That's exactly right. right. <laughs> I was thinking, this kid needs to be edited. Yeah. Stop making him look like this. He can be cute, but don't make him a smartass. This is the wrong fit. But you know what? I don't care because I'm actually thrilled that it worked. I love it when family shows succeed. You know, I was the one that was very sad that that reboot of Young Talent Time a couple of years back on 10 didn't work. You know, I thought that was sad and went, oh, really? We're at that point now where families don't sit down and watch TV together. So when I see a show like that that's aimed squarely at families and it does well, you go, well, that's actually great. You know, because I actually love to think that there are little kids out there watching it, identifying with it, um, inspiring them to go learn some new talent or to be special in their own way. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. And gee whiz, it matched the uh, ratings of uh, Ninja Warrior 1.67 from memory. Yeah, because Ninja was 1.68. No, no, they're both 1.67 something. Right, wow, yeah. wow. Or, or very, you might be right, actually. Yeah. But they were close. Ninja was very slightly ahead. But then Ninja rose, didn't it? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if what happens to little big yeah, shots look, now. I, because... I just certainly don't want to predict because I, I know the people at Seven were very confident in this. Yeah. They thought it would do very well, and, hey, they were spot on, you know. They haven't been great predicting everything this year, of course. <laughs> But they, they certainly got it right with that one. Let's give a huge shout-out to ja- Shane Jacobson. Yeah, he well, was a superb host. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could tell he was having a good time. You could tell the kids liked him. Uh, when he laughed, you laughed. He was a great host. Yeah, yeah. And they're pretty amazing people. You know, I, I didn't realise some, some of those kids are like global celebrities now. That, that The drummer who finished the first episode right. was brilliant. She was just great choice to finish it. I think she's from Brazil, and she, she's, I guess she appears in this sort of show all around the world. Wow. She's turned it into a, <laughs> into a profession, you know. Yeah. 
Well, that's what YouTube's for. Yeah. It's funny, you know, um, Chris Bath on ABC Radio... Uh, Who hosts the evening show. Correct. And she rang me up this week to say, can you talk about the success of okay. Little Big Shots? And she had this theory, and, and I think there's something in it. She said, it feels to me like this show is... It owes something to YouTube clips where, you know, kids are on there watching clips of all these great little things and here's a show that just put all those great things in one show and celebrated it. And she thought Ninja Warrior lent a bit to that and I actually think there's something in that, you know? Yeah, but what they've been clever to do is reproduce it, don't don't just like all those awful clip shows that I can't stand. No, no, no. But just show the YouTube clips. Put it in a shiny like floor. Like wedding disasters. Yeah, no, no, no. Not, I but don't they mean go, that. Yeah, they go and remake it, don't they, really? Find you know, the talent. Find it. what's yep. working. Short, sharp stuff, but, yeah, yep. then put it in that. Boom. Yeah, produce it Great properly. studio. Yeah, make Spend it schmick. Spend some money. And a huge audience going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. Um Twin Peaks. Is it yeah. still going? It ends next week, James, a two-hour episode. And uh, Did you waver at all? No, never. You've been strong. And- oh, I've, I've, I've watched every single minute of it, and there are times where I've nodded off right. and had to, like, get back, back up. And- yeah, there's times okay. where I've walked out of the room and come back. It has been, at times the slowest, most maddening show on TV. But in a way, that's one of the things I love about it. That's part of its attraction. There's, no, there's been nothing else like it ever made. And it's probably the show that David Lynch always wanted to make, and it's probably what was at the heart of his dispute with Showtime for this revival when they announced it and then they said we have creative differences and it's not going to proceed, and then they got back on track you know, David Lynch wanted to make something that in at times was incredibly slow and also so obtuse. Like, he explains nothing. They're just characters just appear and start talking about people you've never met, they may never get referred to again. <laughs> and then these literally insane moments that just keep happening. The craziest, most mental things. And they're the things that just make me laugh so hard because I just think David Lynch is the only person that could get away with this. You know, and just taking these moments and just pushing and pushing and pushing the craziness. So it's an incredible achievement. I don't think that the viewers are there for it. I, I, you know, I've seen lots and lots of wraparounds of the Sydney Morning Herald with Stan saying it's happening again, Twin Peaks streaming on Stan. Has it brought streamers to Stan? I don't think we'll ever know. I know that it, the viewing figures on Showtime in America aren't great, but uh, in terms of a unique piece of television, it's, uh, I've not been disappointed. You follow Twitter a bit, your feed and that. Do you get the feeling as, as many other people watch? No, I don't. <laughs> um, and, I, and I make it as soon as I'm on Twitter and as soon as I see a word about it when I haven't watched the episode, I, I'll go, that's right, yeah, I can't look at this. I, Twitter is somewhere where I've not seen a lot of stuff about Twin Peaks, though. So right. That, you know. And have you got many friends who've, who've watched it all? Or? Well, it's funny. I was living in Canada when it was on, and I've spoken to a few of them, and I need to have that conversation to see whether or not they stuck with it. You know, because I remember when it was happening real time in the US and Canada, and it was just such a moment, you know, where we actually did gather around the set on a Thursday night and watch it with our mouths hanging open at how mad it was. Um, I'm very, I don't know whether or not all of my former friends uh, who are also fans have stuck with it 
to the bitter end. And I'll segue to this, and I know it's not the same thing, but what was the um, American Gods? Yeah. I saw it with you. Didn't we? Did we see it with you? Didn't see it with me, but we both... Have you watched any? Yes, I watched it all. You watched it all, right, because I didn't like it. Right. And we had Will Anderson in this week, and he's a big fan. Yeah. And I said, well, well, I agreed with him on lots of things, but I'm going to have to part ways with you on American Gods. So had Will read the book? Episodes. Yeah, he's a big fan right, of Neil okay. Gaiman. It really helps if you read the book. I had okay. someone watching it with me who'd read the book who could explain it to me. Right. Because if you weren't reading the book, I don't think I think it was really hard to follow. Yeah, because he said he did what I did. He watched the first couple of episodes and thought, nah, mm. this isn't for me. But his partner convinced him to go back and give it another go. Right. And she said, look, I'll watch it with you again. Yep. And so they sat down. And, and he, she's probably helped explain he loved a few it. things. So yeah. it's almost motivating. If I had the time, and I, I won't make a promise because it's hard, you know, it's, you have to give up on certain shows, don't you? Yeah. You can't watch everything. Yeah. But and you know what? There's 18 – well, there's, American Gods is, was only six or eight episodes, yeah. I think. It was short. Yes. But, you know, Twin Peaks is mm. 18 hours. And some of those hours – I mean, there was one – Are they strictly always an hour? Do they vary the length? They might think? vary a little bit. Because Game of Thrones varies a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not strictly one hour. Okay. But, you know, there was there was one episode, you know, everyone who's been watching it's talking about it, where it was, you know, this sort of nuclear explosion in the desert that happened in slow motion and this kind of, the camera kept going into it and going more and more into the nuclears breaking up and it just went on and on and on. It was mental. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a real, it's a real ask to say to someone, watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what he'll do next. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder. But you know what? If he does nothing else, this is just such an amazing uh, last thing for him to do. You know, because he's got a very substantial body of work. Yeah, he? and look, the 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 caliber of talent that lined up to be in it with him, and uh, yeah, I've, I've just found it. It's been one of my favourite things of the year. We perhaps should have had this discussion back when we were talking about CBS, but tens upfront. Right. There's lots of shows up in the air, isn't there? Will they be back? Yeah. Will we see more of them? And I'm just wondering if, if they're going to have to delay their play. You would imagine they would, wouldn't you? It would make sense and, to de- delay your upfronts. But then 10 always like to kind of come out front and come out first and say this is what we're doing next year, don't they? In previous years, they... I'm trying to think how they've timed it in recently. They often come out early mm, with I these announcements. No, um... I know nine's going mid-October. I would. I think I know what seven's doing, and it won't be far away from nine. Right. Ten really haven't revealed it yet, but yeah, I'm just. It'll depend a little bit, I guess. It's perhaps on hold given what happens because it's not a done deal yet. That right. CBS is um, not all signed, sealed, and delivered. But let's talk about some of the things. I mean, Offspring finishes. Uh, as we speak, yep. this week. Yep. And talk that after seven seasons, this one has another ending, just like it had at the end of season five. There is a sign-out point tonight that if the, the show she's never She's pregnant, ever, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's pregnant, she's going to have another baby, she's with a man, she's happy. Uh, it looks like it's heading, ending, heading for a happy ending for everybody. Um, so... Is this the chance to stop it? And a lot of fans are sort of saying, oh, look, you know, 
it's maybe it's it's reached its natural conclusion. I will say this though, I've been watching it every night and I know that some of the stuff they've done this year hasn't some of it has been filler, but there is something so wonderful about the cast and those characters that even the simplest things that those shows do, it makes me laugh, it makes me smile. And there's something about it that I'd like to think that it could continue. And I get this feeling that it will continue. I think there's, I think they'd be mad to, to stop it. Because if we look at the ratings for The Wrong Girl, I don't think there's any point in proceeding for a season three with that. I think the very fact that 10 have put it on a Thursday night tells you everything you need to know about that. They know that that show's not going to last for long. And I think if you're looking at what they've got drama-wise, I know they've got sisters. We talked about that on our last podcast. Yep. They've got another one in the can ready to go. But, yeah, look, I reckon they could squeeze a little bit more out of Offspring because the cast are so likeable. Yeah. Numbers haven't been brilliant, but it's hard to judge, isn't The numbers it? have I mean, never been great for Offspring, though. But you know what? In terms better. of a female demo that sticks around after The Bachelor yes. and The Bachelorette. Yep. It's, it's perfect sure. lead-in. I mean, we speak to Rick Mayer in the magazine this week, Ten's Head of Drama, about the wrong girl. And I said, you know, was it... Because judging the old way we used to judge TV, you'd think, well, it's not going to get a second season. Yeah. Didn't do that well, but he laid it all out when you add up the catch-up viewing, right. the online viewing and all that. They're reasonably big numbers. Okay. And he said that's how they judge when they recommission these days. So yeah. um, it, it got a second season. We talked before, we thought it might have been a mistake going to Thursday nights. Yeah. But no, that's where it's ended up. Okay. Um, didn't start great last no. week. It wasn't a great season opener. You, I have this problem with it, James, because, again, it's got these lovely actors in there, Jessica Marai and um, Ian Meadows and... and uh, Adam West. Yeah, all, Craig all this Craig McLaughlin. There's a really great premise there, but then there's just also something about it that makes it very much like Offspring for me. Another blonde, another complicated love life, another crazy family set in Melbourne. Like, seriously, why did they set that show in Melbourne? It's so... It's like offspring light for me. It could have been in any other city and you would have straight away gone, oh, well, these aren't Melbourne people. I mean, they're... There's, there's, there's a sameness about that much? it. Well, mm. I, just, I just think there are so many similarities with it that they had to do something. Dye Jessica Marai's hair. They have dyed her hair this year. <laughs> She's not as blonde as she is in those promos. If you watch the show, it's a little bit darker now because Asha Ketty's a blonde. And, you know, there's, there's just too many similarities. I watch it, but I don't like it as much as Offspring. That first episode, I've read about it. I didn't, haven't seen it. The, she went to, she, she'd left the show. She'd, she'd left the work show. Work on a doco. She'd left the show to go live with her, you know, the chef who was on the show last year, Rob Collins uh, from Clever Man. They were living in New Zealand and then, of course, her old uh, production manager that had been sacked and she'd taken the job in season one, uh, Doris Yanane from Heartbreak High. Uh-huh. She rang up and said, I'm the new program manager at the network, come back. And she comes back and straight away she's in a terrible situation again and back to doing what she did before, putting out fires all over the place. And again, two, but it's the same thing, the love triangle. 
I just thought there might have been an opportunity here to rejig the format in some way. And I don't mean get rid of Craig McLaughlin and Madeline West because they're great, but there was something about them in that first episode where I actually went, actually, they're, 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 they're caricatures now. I'm actually not buying this kind of... You know, they're the host of a breakfast show and they're such monsters and they're getting away with so much. <laughs> there was just something about it that didn't sit right with me. Yeah, surely breakfast shows aren't... Surely hosts aren't not. like that, Surely are they? not. I asked Rick May, I said, is it much <laughs> like real life? Wrong girl. And he said, mm, it, is a, it is a drama. <laughs> yeah. But he says there are references that some people might like. So Yeah. <laughs> he said, if you read between the lines. Of course, um, The Wrong Girl made by Playmaker Media. Yeah. They're at the crossroads, perhaps, for some of their stuff that Nine shows, right? I think so. Uh, the, the oldest of which, I guess, is House Husbands. Yep. It's been around the longest. Yep. No word about that coming back. You've got to think, that's over. Well, Reese Muldoon said to the press this week that they said, we haven't said yes, but we haven't said no. And he said, no, I've been around this business for a long time. That means no. <laughs> um, so he's more or less sounded the death knell for it. Mm. Um, and then Love Child ended with a very wrappy up episode you know yeah, it did, didn't it? um and it felt like that was the end of that too sure and of sure. course the other fifth aussie drama that could be you know this is the dr blake murder mysteries yep. which the abc has said they're finishing yeah well, there's even one, though it's one of their highest rating so we've shows got a ever. season to go one season and a wrap-up wrap telly movie yeah now coming back on sunday nights Interesting move. I mean, I just thought because it owned that Friday night slot that it might have made sense to keep it there. Yeah, but you know but what? It got a million viewers on a Friday night, one night there. Mm. If, it's not going to do that on Sunday. Maybe In not, theory, but that's a should. strong show when you think of those times that the British crime dramas have won the time slot on a Sunday night. You only need, um, you know, the stories on Sunday night in 60 minutes to be not all that attention-grabbing, sure. and boom, that, yeah. that crime on drama goes through the I roof. I guess. I mean, in theory, your biggest audiences are always on Sundays. Yeah. But none of those other ABC dramas they show on Sundays do much better than six, seven at a stretch. Yeah. And I get it that Dr Blake's more popular than uh, Boldark. Yep. Um, maybe even... Um, Midsummer, Midsummer Murders. Midsummer Murders. <laughs> <laughs> which would have been a big claim a few years ago because yeah. that show was doing millions. That's right. Um, not now. So be pretty interesting. I think it'll do well. Yeah, I do too. But whether it's going to do quiet is what it was doing on Friday night. But, you know, Craig McLaughlin has hinted that, you know, it, it may not be over for Dr Blake. Mm. Craig's, mm. you know, <laughs> put a microphone in front of Car I don't think he could keep a secret. Just turn the microphone on. Yeah, that's on right. And, yeah. I know the producers are pretty keen. Of um, course they'd down be Down in keen. Melbourne it's, to keep it going. It sells all around the world. They screened mm. on the BBC in daytime, but mm. it has fans all around the world. It's the type of show you can sell to a streaming service in America. Interesting to see if they've tried to place it with an another broadcaster very yeah is that yeah well foxtel might seem the obvious home perhaps yeah then do they want to be the home of discarded drama i'm not sure probably not it's okay to do it once but yeah couldn't you know lightning strike twice yeah perhaps doubtful it'd be a good fit for channel nine you know mm-hmm I reckon. I reckon does Dr. Blake... It, does it, they're big on their demos, though. Does I it skew too old? I suppose they are. And I suppose it does skew old, but I think of Nine with all those... If could they you do a spin-off, Dr. Blake, the next generation, <laughs> yeah. and have, have Craig and playing a, a senior doctor yeah. in a practice with some younger guys? Yeah. <laughs>
I'm not sure how that would work. Yeah. Get cracking. The wrong girls a show about TV, so is Get exactly. Cracking. Yeah, very, very similar. Unusual have two at the same time, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But it's a little bit different, Get Cracking. It's a very early, early breakfast show. Yeah, the, the premise of the show is it's a, uh, a live show that goes out at 3 a.m. on some <laughs> identified channel. And I mean, it, that alone is enough to make you laugh. It's pretty it? funny, yeah. yeah. And it plays out in real time, so they're only on air for half an hour. <laughs> And, you know, in the, in the premiere episode, there's this most hilarious moment where they're just kind of, you know, they're, oh, they're half asleep and all of a sudden they go, oh, my God, we've got five segments to do within the next two minutes. <laughs> so they go to this mad dash around and then they've got their big superstar international guest there. And, you know, it's such a great sport, Sam Neill, but what he does is just the most hilarious ending. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really thought the first episode was really funny. Yeah. And, you know, they're sending up those type of morning shows that we see all the time. There's only one infomercial send-up, but it was freaking hilarious, <laughs> um, and they could afford to do a few more. I really was surprised. I really thought this show was funny. Yeah, well, that's good. And it's good to see, like, a it's sort of a sitcom, isn't it? It sort of is, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's sort of is with, good with, to see someone having a cracker. Yeah. Excuse the pun. Yes. <laughs> Having a cracking at it, yeah. Um, so yeah, so so watch out for that uh, launches. That's the uh, actually the day we're recording this podcast. Yeah. Whenever you listen to it, it'll certainly be on iView if you missed that first episode. Kath and Kim, you're enjoying those repeats, and they're rating pretty well, I think, too. You know, there, there are some. Yeah, it's when I watched that first episode of Kath and Kim, I went, "Oh my god, it's so dated." <laughs> you know, because they're so obsessed with their consumer items, you know, and they don't have flat screen TVs. They've got big boxy TVs, and it's all about, "Oh, I'm going to go get the DVD of that." And so that side of the show has really dated. But of course, James, the comedy has not dated. It's still as gut busting funny as it used to be and it's it's become a bit of a highlight of mine on tuesday night to sit down and you know it's you know to think that a show that's you know in some cases nearly 15 years old to think that it's standing out in my week as you know hmm. tuesday nights it's just all about kath and kim for me wednesday nights i think great offsprings on and monday night i think great media watching q a's on but you know tuesday night kath and kim i've been loving it loving watching it again it's a pretty clever move, isn't it, to, to gather them all that were made for both the ABC and for Seven yeah. and then package it as a, you know, I think it'll run through close to Christmas. Yeah, there's... I think there's enough. Four or five uh, series. It's about 30 apps, 15 yeah. weeks if you're running double, so it's going to run for a while yeah. anyway. More than so, happy to watch them all again. I've asked nine, look, if the audience response is good, the obvious question is... Would they go again? Would you be tempted to commission some new ones? Well, they said, you know, possibility. Hey, if Jane Turner and Gina Riley are up for it, they'd be up for it. They would know that that's a, mm. that's a guarantee, yeah. gold certified. And it'd be a bit again. of a showstopper, them walking out at an upfront, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, would it ever? Would it ever? Did you ever go to... I think they were at a seven-up-front one year. Did you go... You would have been to some seven-up-fronts, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, did they had one down at NIDA? Mm. I think in the NIDA. Did you ever go to that? No. It's down your way, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, where I've, you I've used been to, to live. NIDA. I'm pretty sure it was an up-front. It was, if it wasn't Maybe. an up-front, it was some special... 
Maybe. Event. Yeah, that does ring a bell. In the and night of theatre, you yeah, mean. Yeah. yeah, that does ring a bell in the recess um, of my mind. Maybe it was just a Kim, Kath and Kim launch event even. Right. It's not a proper upfront, but it was something. I don't know. It was a few years ago now. It's been a long time since they were on Seven. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, and that was a, certainly a big deal. So, yeah, but yeah, people would love it. They'd be... Um, You'd be on your feet applauding oh. if, they, if they walked out. Would you ever? <laughs> Would you ever? That'd be massive. Um, Gruen. Yeah. Gruen's coming back. Great. Can't um, wait. And we've got a... We, I said before we had uh, Will Anderson in. We did two things. He did our Seven Days News podcast. And then he was good enough to hang around and do a separate thing just on Gruen. So I had enough questions about that that I wanted to sort of separate from the others. And I said to him, for me, Gruen has grown in stature. To me now, it's a must-watch. Yeah. Not so much, I thought, in the early days, but now I'd reckon... And he said, yeah, he thought they do a lot better. It's a lot better product now. But I'm really a fan now, and I like watching the Gruen XL, which screens on the Thursday nights on ABC2, where you oh. get an extra 10 or 15 I've minutes. I've never done that. Okay, I'm switching to that. Yeah, so do that. Yeah, right. It's good. But I'm a real fan. Yeah. So I'm looking for and the and less is more is to your Correct. point earlier on. Correct. It's an ten, event now. Ten episodes. That's it's an it. event. Blink and it's gone. Yeah. So be there. You know. Yeah. It's, and there's 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 quite often through the year I think oh god I wish Gruen was on air and that they could talk about this and maybe mm. Media Watch will talk about this you know something I see but yeah it's great. Yeah. And I said to him sometimes I think. Oh, you haven't talked about this news story. And then I got to remind myself, well, it's not a news show, isn't it? He goes, dead right. It's yeah. not a news program. Yeah. We yeah. talk about that in our meetings. Yeah. It's about marketing, consumerism, stuff like that. We can't be, you know, debating all the news stories. Yeah. They do some of them, of course, because it fits in with what they're doing. Yeah. Um, if there's an ad about a news story, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. If it's relevant. Uh, uh, yeah. They'll, when they'll does do it come back? Two weeks today. Everything happens on Wednesdays, doesn't it? Okay. So we're recording this on a Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday, September 13. Well, then no doubt being thrown around their table is the same-sex marriage thing. Is it a news story? Yes, it is, because there's, yep. a, there's ads appearing on TV. So there'll be... That's bound to be a topic. Yeah, and then that'll take us through to the end of the survey year too. So we'll get two weeks in September, then October yep. and November. So yep. we're not far away, are we, from the, the end of the ratings year? Now, you brought up the same-sex thing. And I know you're big on this. I'm a bit of a. I'm a bit worried about it. Yeah. This whole vote, you know, and and I get it that people are very forceful pushing their the yes case. But to me, it remind you think about Brexit. Yeah. You think about Trump. Yeah. A lot of people don't like getting told what to do. You no. know what I'm saying yeah. here? Yeah. And and it's hard, isn't it? Because you want to say what you think what you think people should do. But then again, I get it that some people recoil at that. And that might mean they mightn't vote no, but they mightn't just vote. Yeah. So they might have been a yes voter. They're going... Mm. Oh, James, there's just so many things to say about <laughs> The fact that if you're living overseas, you can fill out the form online. Mm. But here in Australia, you've got to put it into an envelope and put a stamp on it and take it to a post office. You know, the whole thing is mm. designed to appeal to older people. It's actually designed to fail. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I've... It, and I what just, happens if the no vote got through? Well... If the no vote got through, it would give all of those people, you know, the Lyle Sheltons of this world would all think that, you know, 
jump up and down and think that they're so successful, but it's not going to last for long, even if the no vote gets through. Well, what's happening here is you know, there are 90,000 young people that have uh, enrolled to vote, and they're not going to be voting for this current government on mm. the next election. You know, I think it's, uh, it could come back to bite them on this. You know, so if, you know, if there's a change of government, we know that the other side are going to bring it in regardless of the results of this. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I am concerned. I'm concerned about the fact that they are out there deliberately muddying the water about what this is about. Tony Abbott saying that this is about political correctness mm. and getting John Howard in and doing that very thing they did. This is the part that worries me. That they do, they're doing exactly what they did with the Republic. Mm. They yep. make it all about something else to place doubt in your mind so that people get scared and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to vote. Yeah, even if no. you probably wanted a Republic, you thought, oh, yeah. maybe not yet. And, I'll... of course, the key to this is the personal um, face-to-face thing where you know in Ireland people went out and went door to door and in little villages went knocked on the door and said hi you know I'd love it if you could vote yes yes you know sometimes some gay people got the door slammed in their face but it's that visibility that has to be there and you know what I'm living in a small town where I was told before I went there, now you be careful, don't you start doing any Priscilla theme nights and having drag queens coming down the street and all this. And I was like, mm, really? I hadn't, well, no, I hadn't even thought of well, doing that. Well, that's sad. It's a stereotype. I, I, I hadn't think thought about, that yeah. I'd have to not do that either. And I'm in the small town, and I'm pretty sure that everyone in that small town knows I'm gay. Uh. Um, and I haven't started saying anything yet, but I will start saying something too. When I'm introducing the movies, I will just say what I think because that's actually what it's about. People need to stand up and say, if you think I'm a nice guy, take, take away everything else. If you think I'm a nice guy, do you think I should have the right to marry? And by the way, to be really good for the economy. <laughs> because nobody's saying that. Because in actual fact, it is. Weddings and no. suits and people no. going on holidays and reception sets. It's actually good a, for the economy. A double overnight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be out there and I'll be saying it and, you know, I'll probably be getting a T-shirt. Before we let you loose back on the streets of Sydney, Andrew Mikado, Studio 10. Yeah. It's a thousand? A thousandth episode. It's not a hundred. It's not five hundred. No, it's 1, a thousand. thousand. Yeah. Wow. Incredible to think. Of. And, you know... That's, and um, when they cancelled that breakfast show that used to lead into it, they thought, well, this will fall over soon too. Yeah. Didn't happen. No. But then, you know, it was pretty obvious from day one that uh, Wake Up was a format that was like, was interesting, but, it, you know, straight away you could see that Studio 10 was in some ways replicating what The Circle had done, but they were amping it up just a bit. To me, the, the fact that they have that format where they have four panellists... Um, who are allowed to be themselves. The problem with your two panellist shows where you've got the male and the female, they sit there, they often sit on the fence on issues because it's just the two of them. So if you hate one person of that pair, there's a 50% chance you're going to change the channel and stop watching that show. But when you've got a panel of five people... Those four people are allowed to be themselves. They think differently. It's very obvious where they stand on issues. They don't hold back. They're truthful. There's an honesty to it. And then you throw in that fifth panellist that's revolving. So every day it's different. It's a great concept. Yes. Yeah. 
So congratulations, Rob McKnight, uh, executive producer and the team. Yeah. They've... Um, it's Unpredictable a- madness ensues, and that's why, you know, I want to watch some TVs. I don't like to see the same old predictable stuff. I, mm. I like, uh, what, what, what the hell's going to happen today with this one here? Well, CBS is going to want a breakfast show. Well, I say start Studio 10 a little bit earlier. Yeah, we've talked about this, yeah. haven't we? Yeah, we said split it up, maybe. Split it up. Uh, Joe a- and... Um, yep. And uh, who do we say? Joe and... Um, Joe and Sarah yes, can start yep, the show, yep. or Joe and Ida. Yeah, uh, Joe and Jessica. Yeah, Joe and Jessica go a, ha- a harder yeah. news thing yeah, in the that's, morning. Yep, that's right. And then break it down, and those you know those hosts sign off, and new ones come in. Mm. You can do almost anything with that type of format. And, yeah, if CBS want to look at getting into that breakfast market, they cannot try and reinvent the wheel again with a third breakfast show after two disasters that have gone on in the past. No, they can't, James. The entire media would be watching them like a hawk waiting for it to fail. The smart thing to do would be just to take Studio 10 and just keep making it better. Yeah, but, you know, are they going to worry about what the media are going to think? They're not going to care. I mean, just... I mean, I don't know, I'm just guessing here, but do people worry more about what the media think here than they do maybe in the US? I don't, you get the feeling people do stuff and they're not going to think, well, is there media backlash or so? But wouldn't they look at the fact that 10 have, you know, failed so spectacularly twice in this arena? Wouldn't it make them very nervous? Oh, it would. Trying to do it. But given their pedigree and with a successful breakfast show, and there's. And there's three breakfast shows, and there's always going to be in the States. Yeah. And not all, one of them's always going to be number three. Yeah, true. They make it work. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I think they'd certainly look at what happened here before and, and examine why did it go wrong. Yeah. We've got a few ideas what happened with Tan's last crack. At yeah, that's sitting right. Sitting in a studio on Manly Beach probably wasn't the best idea in hindsight. No, it wasn't. Okay. Waiting for that bloody... Cable to be dug from Piermont to Manly. The million-dollar cable that was laid why, from why Manly across Sydney Harbour. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, but um, you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. I suppose not. But look, you know, the, the problem with Ten's breakfast shows is that they've promised to do something different, and then when it doesn't work within a couple of weeks, they get nervous and gradually chipped away at the show till it was looking like. The sunrise and today, hmm. you got to go into that space and be bold and stand. Well, by you your do. Convictions. Well, I get that feeling though. At CBS, have got the freedom to do that. Yeah. Because of their financial muscle. Yeah. Because of their television expertise, you know. Um, but yeah, but it's going to be fascinating to watch that. Isn't fascinating, it? yeah. You know, it's just been going to really make it interesting over the next twelve to twenty-four months. What yeah. happens, you know. And yeah, seeing how they run the operation. Here. Yeah, and do you know what? I'd, I'd also want to see CBS really put a broom through those program schedules on one and eleven. If you look at the UK, where CBS have branched out into a whole bunch of digital channels: mm-hmm. CBS Drama, CBS This, CBS That. They've got a huge back catalogue. There's a whole bunch of shows that they could bring back instead of the same old thing. You know, the, the program schedule on eleven is pretty much the same as it was when it started. Really? It really needs a shake-up. Yeah, well, they've got the opportunity to have an, an extra channel. Yeah. Because 9 and 7 have both got 
three multis. There, three multis. Tan's got two. Yeah, right. So they can do one more. There's a, there's a lot of ads yeah. on regional TV at the moment. Win TV, all the ten personalities are doing ads saying... Win TV, all your favourite shows are now coming to you on Win TV. From September first, you're going to have to re uh, retune your TV thing. Oh, okay. So there's something. There's an extra bandwidth coming on there. Yeah. Something's going well, on September. C- good news for Win, I would have thought, and Bruce Gordon that they're going to be editing CBS yeah. programming. Yeah. And their expertise into regional markets. Andrew, look, welcome back to Sydney. albeit for a brief visit. Thanks, James. Great to see you in person. Thank and, you. Uh, and I. I won't make the promise we're coming up. We are coming up, (laughs) but we will get there before Christmas, I'm sure. I'd love to see you up there. Okay, see you. Thank you.